to the part where I got so angry that I literally started just writing invectives into the notes uh, because... <laughs> you literally wrote racist little fuck. Yeah. <laughs> In the notes. Kit does not swear easy, as you I have heard. I was angry. I'm very angry. Yeah. Because of what he does So to I'm going to this next whole bit that has to do with Matthias at the Abbey is all going to be about his interactions with Warbeak and with the other Sparrow. This goes on for the, basically, the rest of this, like, part of the book. He is with the Sparrow for a while. I cannot give proper timestamps for this because it is, it makes up so much of the rest of this that if you don't want to listen to this... You may just need to skip to the next book, and I'm really sorry about that for for people who are listening. Because we are not it going to, up... uh, we are going to get into it. Like, this is going to be a pretty negative section. Yeah. Like, usually I'll try to be, like, positives with negatives. Yeah. This is just straight up racist bullshit. We, we've been, we were talking about it in Mossflower, and we were talking about the birds, and how we hated the way the sparrows were written, and having read this again, I hate it even mm-hmm. more. As a kid, I knew it wasn't okay. As an adult, holy fucking shit. It's bad. Anyway, we're going to get into it. And we're going to try to move through it as quickly as possible, but while also still being like, hey, Brian, what the fuck? Matthias treats Warbeak like a dog. She is tethered with a collar. She has a small brick tied to her leg so she cannot fly. And Matthias feeds her treats... When she acts good. When she doesn't try to attack him or be rude to him. That's the part that, like, actively made me angry. Because he is treating... This is infantilizing. degrading and disgusting. This is what people actually did to native people and slaves. To, 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 um... To time or to reveal, like, the time of this, like, whenever someone comes back to re-listen to this, if that ever happens, um, there's a huge thing in Canada going on right now about the schools, the native schools. And those happen in the, America, too. We had residential yep, schools, about, too. Same. And we are also finding yep, residential bodies. schools, which did the exact same thing. Residential schools did everything they could to erase the Native American uh, culture, basically. They couldn't use their language. Uh, to, assimil- genocide by assimilation. Yep. And that's, he's basically... Because first we did the actual genocide yeah. by death, and then we started doing genocide by assimilation. And this is kind kind of what that was. It's just, it's gross. It's all very, very gross. Mm-hmm. And, like, the whole, like, tr- like training her like she's a dog is just like, ugh. No, this is disgusting. It's bad. Methuselah finds the route to the roof from the inside of the abbey, thanks to Abish Germain's blueprints. It's really convoluted, and I'm wondering why she made it that convoluted to get into that part of the abbey. Oh, probably because... Like, maybe maybe it used to be easier to get up there, but then, like, over time, maybe the, the ladders were taken down for something else, I, or something I'm or other. I'm guessing that must be what Because I feel is. like there would have had to have been a ladder inside the great hall to get up to that fucking trap yeah, door. Yeah, like they, they would have to get up there to do stuff. Like, to clean at the least, or 
or to get up there to like, oh, maybe something fell and we have to replace it. You know, they'd have to have gone up there at some point or other. So my thought is this is a yeah. case of time marches on and they just lost the documentation and or the resources to get up there. Yeah. Matthias makes a plan to, uh, to climb up. He's still being a racist little fuck to Warbeak. Um, by tugging her along, saying, come on, we gotta go. Constance and Ambrose make a joke about bats in the belfry or sparrows. It's <sighs> not great. <sighs> and then we get this, this, we move on from that to an actually, like, funny little bit of Basil directing the work crews who are shoring up the main gate of the abbey. Uh, he is, like, actively being like, all right, you gotta toughen up there. You, come on, yeah, I know you can lift that. Here, let me give you some help. You go get some lunch. I've got this. Da, 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 da. And he's being silently mocked by Sam the whole this time. This is such, like, a blessed little respite between, like, all the Matthias bits. It's like we get this glorious little mm -hmm. snippet of, ba of Basil, and it's like, okay, I like you in this moment, Basil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's good at doing his job, at least. He's not just, like, all bluff and bluster. He is actually, like, a good worker. He's just also yeah. a hare. Uh, Matthias goes and gets food from Cornflower, and she expresses her concern about the sparrows, but he completely brushes it off. And I'm like, did he just call the sparrow a hussy? I missed that the first time. Like, I was so angry at everything else and the fact that, like, hey, Cornflower is actually, like, being a decent person. Like, hey... This is for the, like, maybe you should treat her a little nicer. Um, and he's... Yeah, okay, here it is. In the Abbey kitchens, Cornflower carefully wrapped Matthias's food in fresh dock leaves. Matthias sidled up, helping himself to a candied chestnut. Cornflower wrapped his paw with a wooden ladle. Those nuts are for that poor little sparrow. Leave them alone, you great glutton, she scolded. Matthias snorted indignantly. Poor little sparrow, my eye. Listen, miss, if I let that young hussy off her lead for five minutes, we'd all be murdered in our bed. <laughs> Just like Br Brian? What? Does this have, is this like, does this have a different context across the pond, sir? <laughs> I don't, I'm Googling that actually Please do. Really quick. Um, um, while uh, Squirrels is Googling for us, um, Methuselah. Hussy is a woman or girl who's disrespectful or immoral. I, okay. I, I mean, like, she is disrespectful, uh, it, but. Originally, okay, so originally, Hussy was a shortening of the Middle English huswife or housewife. Through the 1500s, Hussy came to mean any woman or girl, and by the 1650s, it meant an improper woman or ah, girl. Ah, okay. And then in the United States, hussy means a yeah. slut. <laughs> so that's why we were both like, uh, beg pardon? <laughs> like, yeah. Sir? Sir? <laughs> it's still not good. It's not good, no. But, oh my god. I'm just cackling and it's just like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, sir. Did he called the sparrow a hussy? <laughs> I just shouldn't be laughing at it, we're, but I am. We're fine... <laughs> it's it's that kind of like this is so terrible it is wrapped back around to like disbelieving yes <laughs> like i'm sorry sir what yeah so methuselah gives matthias all the directions that he can matthias begins his ascent with warbeak and um like it's it's uh a, a, it's it's a lot like they have to climb a lot of shit he slips up at one point and she tries to like, kill straight him straight up just uh yeah. he managed 
she what? she straight up just pounces on him and tries to kill him, which fair. Yeah, fair. Like she would totally be in her rights to kill him. Uh, he manages to pin her, uh, but she refuses to relent. Um, not until Matthias just pushes her over the edge of a walkway up at like some of one of the highest points of the fucking. The, the great yeah, hall. Yeah, like, they're walking over the great hall. There's nothing but empty space below them. And she has a brick on her leg. She cannot fly. And he's just leaving her dangling by her neck while he holds on to the lead. And, like, the only thing that keeps her from being strangled is her thick neck feathers. And he waits until, like, she says that she'll behave until he hauls her back up. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's so awful. What the fuck? Like, of course she'll be nice to you now. You almost killed her. And she, like, she gives her word. Like, that's the thing. She's like, gives, I give my word. I will not hurt you. And she gives her word on um the egg of her mother or something yeah. like that. And, like, apparently that's, like, the strongest swear that a sparrow can yeah. do. And... War crimes. And then we have a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome happen. Uh, <laughs> yep, they sit, they share some water. Matthias realizes he's being an ass, but he justifies it by thinking he's doing it for the Abbey. Cool motive. Still mm-hmm. murder. Uh, He and Warbeak are also now on first name terms. And he's like, hmm, that's weird. And then we're back at Clooney's camp. Uh, rats and mustelids are all jockeying for roles of captains. Clooney's just like, no, fuck all of you, basically. He sends Sella and her son out of his room and calls in Darkclaw the rat and Kilkenny the ferret. And he asks if either of them know how to tunnel. Kilkenny does. Uh, so he sends Kilkenny to collect all of his fellows who know how to dig. And he pulls Darkclaw aside to give him a special tax. Tax? Task. Did I mistype it? As he's talking with Darkclaw, uh, the two foxes are caught eavesdropping, and Clooney condemns them to death. Basically, Chickenhound uh, messes up and reveals that they were indeed spying. By saying, like, we, we can tunnel with the best of them. And he's like, I just said digging. I didn't say anything about tunneling. And so he's just like, nope, nope, you, all, you both die now. You must die! And... Now we're back with Matthias and Warbeak as they continue their climb and now they're working together. They share lunch. Uh, unknow- they are unknowingly spotted by another sparrow. I feel like the sparrow's just like, this ain't and- normal and just ducks out like, eh. Yeah, goes to tell on them, basically. Warbeak saves Matthias from a fall uh, and he is stopped by the old loft door because it's too high for him he to just reach. But Warbeak up. says she will fly up and open it. So... Matthias frees her, and she she does just that. Like, I just want a um, moment to say, Matthias is a bit of a whiny bitch. Yeah. Like, anytime something like hard he happens, moves... he'll just drop until somebody comes along to help him. Yeah, because he's... He can't do shit. <laughs> uh, he takes her... He takes the collar off of her. He calls her a true friend. Um... <sighs> She helps him the last of the way up, and he is captured by the sparrows meeting their king. Like, they they literally, they pin him to the ground. God. Fucking awful. It's... 
back with Chicken Hound. Chicken Hound miraculously is alive. Uh, his mother is dead because they stabbed them both several times with their spears, but only caught Chicken Hound in the leg and in the scruff of his neck where his the the skin is still like loose because he's I'm you know, so mad because this young. is literally a pun. He got out by the scruff of his neck. I didn't write it this time. It's not my fault. Um, and it, it's kind of callously written that he did not give any fucks about yeah. his mom. Like, no sorrow for her death. Um, it's just, like, it's very weird because, like, it did, like, I wouldn't say, like, they were maybe chummy with each other, but it did seem like he had at least some respect for his mother. Like, she was teaching him how to be, you know, like, a spy or, or a proper fox, air quotes. Hello, hello. I am here again with the It's the Racism. Yeah. It's just not good, Scoob. It's really not. Um, He waits for a long while in the ditch before he like rolls around in the mud to create a poultice on his wounds and then drags himself through the ditch until he gets close enough to the abbey and there's a spot where he can pull himself out of the ditch, pulls himself out and just completely passes out in view of justifiably um yeah and on the abbey wall uh cornflower and silent sam are making rounds distributing food to the people who are on watch silent sam spots the fallen fox and like just points with his dagger at it like he's just pointing and cornflower and ambrose are just like what are you doing small child but when they finally come over, see Chicken Hound, and they're like, well. <laughs> yeah. Like, to be fair. So they mount a rescue for Chicken Hound, and once inside, he's delirious and insists on seeing the abbot. Uh, he won't speak any words otherwise. Um, and the abbot arrives, and Chicken Hound asks for water, but Jess withholds it until they know why he's there. And he says that he'll he will tell them if he's given aid and the abbot is like, move him to the sick bay. What is wrong with right. all of y'all? Like on one hand, he knows that it is a smart move because this is a fox. The racism. Mm-hmm. But also. Um and upon awakening, Chicken Hound is like, Where am I? And uh, the abbot is like, You're at the Abbey. You are welcome to stay here and get care, no matter what info or no info. Um, but Chicken Hound, uh, does tell, like, the abbot of Clooney's plans, like he says, they're gonna burrow, they're, they're gonna dig under the wall, I don't know where, and I don't know when, but they're gonna do it, um, and the abbot thanks him, uh, but Chicken Hound, of course, is still being, like, I have tricked the abbot, you have let me in the abbey, I'm gonna steal all your See, shit. That, that's part that kind of makes me upset, because, like, the paragraph before, like, we're hearing it from his point of view. So there's no reason for him to be like lying to us, the reader, where he's like, Chicken Hound could hardly believe his ears. You mean I can stay, but I haven't told you the new plans yet. And then, you know, like the wet, I was just like, yeah, it's okay. And then Chicken Hound lay thinking about it, about what the kindly old mouse had said. Suddenly he blurted out, the battering ram is only decoy. Clooney means to use it as diversion so he can tunnel underneath your abbey walls. I don't know exactly what the plan, where he plans to start digging, but I do know that he will come at you from under the ground. Like, 
we're led to believe that like their kindness is like getting through to him. Like, wow, these creatures are just helping me. But then like immediately it's just like flips right back to you. Haha, I tricked them. And it's just like, why would you start to build that up to us? And then immediately have him flip back to you. Nope, I'm going to steal them blind anyway. It's just, it's, it's very frustrating. Give me a second okay. stretching. How dare you? I, I know, right? I'm I say worst. as I've been uh, using so a pedal machine this whole time so I don't get too fidgety. <laughs> uh, like, tip for those of you who are artists, writers, and or people who sit at a desk a lot, just get like, even just like a cheap little pedal machine. It is a godsend. My chair is not tall enough for that. I'm lucky I have a desk that is to my exact height. Thank you, my wonderful brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now we're back with Matthias and Warbeak, um, and, like, Warbeak is, like, he, he is going to just kill Matthias. Uh, you mean King Bullsparrow. Like, this is, yes. King Bullsparrow is, like, he's just gonna kill Matthias. He tells the warriors to kill him, but Warbeak tells her mother Dunwing what's happened, and because, um... Because Dunwing is an actual decent uh, Warbeak being. is... Yeah, and Warbeak is uh, King Bullsparrow's niece, and Dunwing is um, his sister. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, That's my okay. brain just completely. Dunwing out is for his second. sister, and so that makes. Warbeak is yeah. his niece, and so they use that to get him to stop trying to kill Matthias. Um. But that's after, like, Matthias lies to, uh, we're just gonna say KBS, uh, about why he's here. He's like, I came to bring Warbeak back, and KBS is like, no. And we're gonna kill you. Uh, but they, he is saved by Warbeak and Dunwing. So KBS gets the two other, uh, warrior sparrows to tear into Martin's bag. Uh, Collars, Martin's bag, Matthias's bag. <laughs> you do it too! Um... Yeah, uh, finds candy chestnuts and takes them, uh, and also puts the collar on Matthias with the same tether. Um, this is the same one that he used on Warbeak and gives him to Warbeak as a pet. And this is the moment where Matthias um, realizes he was being a huge dick. Yep, he realizes that it is humiliating to do this to somebody and swears he'll never do it again. And it's like, shouldn't have done it in the yeah, first place, you fucking idiot. <sighs> shit. Um, it's awful. It's horrible. Dunwing describes the king as a mad tyrant, and like the book constantly is describing him as a mad tyrant. Um, and you made a comment about this kind of leaning more into like northern quote unquote to, like savage yeah. stereotypes, and it's still very much in native tribal stereotypes. Yes. Um, like, the leader is a tyrant and going mad or is mad is a trope that's very common in multiple groups in fiction. But with everything else that is around the Sparrow, this is still very much native stereotypes. Especially as it gets further, describes their ignorance, their laziness, Well, I also say that has swung to, like, the Northmen, Vikinger stereotypes in that, like, a lot of, um... A lot of, like, old myths and stories tell, like, oh, they're a bunch of savages. They all live in just huts and things like that. Like, they even call, it's just, I feel like this is some of the Viking influence or the Northman influence coming out in the writing. 
with the way the culture is like the strong rule over the weak. the women just stay home and take care of the kids like this is what england thought the vikingers were instead of like vikingers actually being very cleanly and their women taking care of a lot of stuff back home while the guys were off getting you know killed um but just like the, it doesn't feel like a native village to me this definitely feels more like a northern village with like the way the nests are described that's that's just what i meant though in that it feels like he is swinging more towards the native or not native i'm sorry the northern uh stereotypes of what was common back then like they would they would think well the, clearly they can't be as civilized as us because we're clearly superior to them um kind of a thing yeah it's still it's just all around bad um matthias improvises a a dance and song to amuse the king the king thinks that he's like sick in the head but is highly amused by this uh dunwing and warbeak take matthias back to his nest and dunwing is like are you actually sick in the head and matthias like no it's just an act he doesn't he wants them all to think that he's not a threat and dunwing approves and says that kbs is a bad and temperamental bully uh we also learn that kbs is i'm divorcing you bird brained <laughs> he makes up like crazy ideas wanders off and then like forgets about them wanders off to go like worm hunting and then returns uh completely angry that his plans haven't been put in motion he'll like demote officers and promote other soldiers and then the cycle will repeat itself because he'll just completely fucking forget um matthias learns that like anything that is food is called worms and anybody that is not a sparrow is called a worm which is not great things is worms (laughs) The sparrows are ignorant of fire and cooking and are too lazy to do chores that need to be done. Chores are always put off to the next day, which means they're Mm. never done. So the place is filthy. And I have Um, a note of like, hey, would you want fire around when your nest is mostly made of grass and fabrics and you are covered in flammable feathers? Would you want to be using fire? No, but, you know. Deadly so since they're not a bunch of snuck up Uh, snobs who won't eat bugs... Matthias, you are a (laughs) mouse. You would eat a bug in a regular circumstance. Stop acting like a snob. He's a snob. Um, And he's there for like a night and a day so far. And he's repairing his haversack outside of Dunwing's nest. And he discovers a pack of candied chestnuts that hadn't been found. So he starts thinking of a plan to look for the sword in KBS's nest. He lies to Dunwing, saying he wants to use the chestnuts to barter for his freedom, so she agrees to take him to KBS's nest. Now, the thing about Dunwing is she is so much smarter than she fucking acts, because she knows better. It's basically, like, the perfect example of, like, a woman who knows, like, if I just act stupid, they will underestimate me, and then I can survive. Like, this is a person in survival mode. Yeah. And the reason that he talks to Dunwing about getting to the king is because Dunwing makes all of his food. So he trusts her. Well, also, he just doesn't make food for himself. He refuses Mm, to. Because he's a man. (laughs) Um, 
they, they so she takes him and knocks and KBS is fucking annoyed but like as they move into his like personal kingly quarters um Matthias does like the little like dance and shit and like just basically shoves a che- like a candy chestnut right into the king literally beak. into his beak um yep and he's just like oh and uh Matthias is like if i give you the rest of these will you let me go home and the king is like maybe uh basically and just takes all of those and then says you have to give me more nuts this many spreading his wings really wide uh before I'll let you go and Matthias doesn't have any more candied nuts. Basically King Bull uh, basically King Bullspera is just playing him for a fool. Like, yeah, sure, maybe I'll let you go and then like, well, I'll let you go if you have something you can't possibly give. Yeah. It's very bad. And so Matthias and Dunwing retreat because and like he actually like he gets angry and he starts to insult the king, like where he can hear. And she tells him not to do that because, like, he will just kill Mar- uh, Matthias. Yeah. And he asks why they let him be king. And she says that he is a mighty warrior and much smarter than he acts. And the reason we're not reading a whole lot more of the Sparrow's, uh, Sparrow language is because it's really um, very bad. bad. Martin starts... Martin. Matthias starts talking in the sparrow language and it's just bad it's bad and i hate it it's all extremely just like the stereotype there he's like oh it's not that hard to speak and understand and it's just like (sighs) like i really wish they'd have been like yeah they have a whole secondary language they speak when not around others that's very complex and beautiful you know just uh, it's bad it's terrible very bad so as he and dunwing talk she reveals that she knew he had lied about why he wanted to enter the chamber um so he tells her about martin's sword and about what's going on in the abbey below um and dunwing tells him about how her husband actually died I do find it interesting, like, how the sword is treated as, like, a, an object of power amongst the sparrows, too. Like, it's it's further... Yeah, because it's, it's a It's further sword. building up the sword's magic. But... Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, amongst the sparrows, uh, whoever has the sword is king. And if you don't have the sword, well, you lose all credibility, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, KBS and Greyfeather, not Bloodfeather. Huh? You put Bloodfeather in the document. Bloodfeather was the king who found the sword. Mm. Oh, yep, you're right. Okay. Great. Yeah. (laughs) The husband is Greytail. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, Greytail and KBS are out, like, hunting, and they encounter Asmodeus. Um, And KBS drops the sword in fright. Um, and Greytail is bitten when he goes to try and retrieve it because KBS basically orders him to go yeah. get it. Uh, and they don't get the sword back and Greytail dies after he comes home and tells her everything that happened. She's the only person who knows the truth. Uh, uh, Warbeak does not know the truth. And, um, 
KBS has the scabbard to the sword and it's empty and he just doesn't really take it out. He says that he's keeping it safe. Uh, and the sword is, is somewhere in, in moss flower. I really like that the way that Asmodeus is described here is basically like a mythical yes, serpent. Like he is the dragon of this book. It's really, really cool. Um, and Matthias thinks on the problem. Uh, he dismays about taking the sword from an adder because he's just like, how am I supposed to do that? It's an adder. Uh, and then that night, uh, KBS basically has him just kidnapped from the, the nest because what Dunwing saw immediately of the sword belt matching the scabbard, the king has finally connected the dots in his little yeah, bird like, brain. Wait, hold up a minute. <laughs> and so he wants uh, Matthias to give him the belt as a gift. And Matthias says, well, I'll give it to you if you let me go home. And KBS says no. And Matthias has to give him the belt yeah. anyway. And Kit made a comment, why am I getting bad Indian giver vibes with all of this? And I'm like, because that's what it is! For, the, for those who don't know, <sighs> an Indian giver is a very insulting term where basically it's like, you'd go to give somebody, or like somebody would give you a gift, but then they would take it back. And like, in a lot of native cultures, they don't have or didn't have the same idea of ownership that we have. So like, hey, I need a rope. And they're like, oh, well, here, I'll give you this rope. Well, then like a few days later, they're like, oh, I need a rope. I know blank has this rope. So they'll just go and take the rope that they need to use it. Because to them, it's like that rope belongs to everyone in our tribe who needs it. Like, of course, there are some things they won't and take. It but... also refers to the fact that um, Americans would promise things mm -hmm. to them. And say they'd give them those things and then mm -hmm. not do it. So it's it's gross on both sides. Uh, but mostly it's very insulting and racist. Yeah, don't ever call anybody mm -hmm. that, ever. It's not a good phrase. It's very bad. And now we cut back to Basil and Jess are plotting something. Um, they're being very, very, like, sneaky. They're like, what if we just go steal the tapestry piece back? Uh, and I make a comment that the little art that's at the top of this chapter has got big Crusaders vibes, and I don't like it because it's a depiction of Martin wearing, like, a t basically like a Templar like tunic it's got the cross oh, and everything and i don't on have it. that because my 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 copy does not have any chapter art that's so sad give me a second <laughs> i will send you a photo this just like further me I just like wait so did the crusades happen in this universe just <laughs> i don't know <laughs> like you'll see when i send you this okay. hold on it is Sent to Kit. There we go. Uh, where are you sending it to me? Oh, Snapchat. Okay. Thank you. There it is. It's okay. the fastest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's not even. Big Crusaders vibe. Right kind of arm. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's yeah, not great. It's definitely that that is not the kind of armor I imagine him in either. Like I imagine him in like No, me definitely either. not that. Just you're right about the Crusaders vibes. Like who who the artist who made this, <laughs> I don't blame the artist for choosing to go with this. 
but it's not what I imagine. And also, again, like me staring at Martin, what religion do these mice follow? Like, is there a crusades? What is happening? We will never know. We will never know. Uh, anyway, I love Jess. She is so good. good. She is like, oh my god, I love her. She is just all ready to just be all in with Basil's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> She's so cool. Um, uh, so as they hang out together, like their plot is like, because they go off into the yeah. orchard to like talk, and as they hang out, their plot is revealed to be stealing uh, back the the tapestry piece that has Martin on it. They sneak out of a little gate in the abbey wall to go steal back the tapestry uh, and then we cut to Clooney who is up and out of the sick room and he's just he is like put it he, he is just so pissed off because his horde is just he's like they've gotten fat and lazy being here I'm gonna put them through their paces so there's like ram bearing rats just running around, tunneling mustelids, just getting in each other's way. There's no order to anything they're doing. The two captains are are just being mocked also, by just him. Just like sorry, a small inter- interruption. The amount of small doors this Abbey Wall seems to have. Part of me is like, nobody is worried about all these little doors that people seem to keep being able to escape out of with no one else noticing. Like, is no one monitoring these doors? Because during a siege, you think they would have somebody watching the doors. Especially because I'm pretty sure in some books, one of the doors is like... Yeah, it's like, it's not even like a, a full wooden door. Like, they could get in through this. Why is no one watching this? I don't know. Anyway, my rant is over. Uh, Who knows? (laughs) Um, Basil and Jess are watching the chaos unfold um, from the common land between the forest and the church. Um, And they clasp hands, the the strong-armed men meme. (laughs) 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 And launch their plan. Uh, Clooney bullies uh, some of his more awkward rats with his whip-like tail, uh, only to find himself being scolded and mocked by Basil from the other side of the fence. It's very good. <laughs> it's all very good. God. Just, it's... <laughs> like, he, he cracks one of the, the rodents and it's like... A voice interrupted him. Tut, tut. <laughs> Officer striking an enlisted creature. Bad form, old chat. Thumping bad form. <laughs> And and Basil Stagger is just there at the Addy's position, and Clooney's just like, "The hell is that? What the <laughs> fuck? Not the sort of thing one expects from a horde commander." Yeah. What? Personally, I'd have you blackballed from the church premises. And Clooney's voice was a strangled yell. Get him! Grab that spy! I want his head. Basil chuckled. What's the matter? Isn't your own head good enough? <laughs> no, I don't suppose it is. Ugly-looking brute, aren't you? Very good. And Jess is trying so hard not to just give her position away know, by it's tickling. Like same, same Jess. Yeah, and it's it's very very funny because they're chasing Basil around, and Basil is luring Clooney closer to the forest because Clooney has his standard, which has the tapestry yeah. piece on it. Also, and I am just imagining, you know, Benny Hill in the background. This whole sequence. <laughs> It's fucking yeah. hackety sex. <laughs> God. 
Um, Basil is one-on-one -on -one with Clooney at this point, um, keeping just out of distance, out of range, but then he steps in a pothole and basically just twists his foot up pretty badly. I was going to make a joke about a gopher um, hole, and but at they, that moment, do they have gophers in England? Uh, I don't Google. know. You keep reading. But also the mustelids have been digging yeah. a lot of holes. Uh, Jess just leaps out and snags the tapestry fragment and just pew, is off. And she and uh, and she and Basil trip up Clooney. Jess is like having absolutely none of his shit. She uses his own tail against him. Um, and once they get in the woods, uh, they swap it out for a decoy. Jess tells Basil to like go off and take the real one back. She will uh, keep them busy. Um, and Basil just vanishes into the underbrush because he's a master of camouflage. I have to see. Bless you. Bless you. Uh, it doesn't look like they have gophers in England. Then it's a mustelid yep. hole. Anyway, bless me. You're um, But yeah, uh, Jess stalls for time. She trades jibes and threats with Clooney. Clooney really gets under her skin by threatening her family. She just fucking, she throws <laughs> just hard green spiky chestnuts <laughs> at him. Good. Oh, and then she finally realizes what's happening, and she's like, oh, Clooney's, okay, I see. And she, like, plays into it, and she's like, I don't really care about the other people at Redwall. Fake tears. I just, I only care about my family. If I give you this, will you promise not to hurt them? He's like, of course. Just let it come, just give it to me, and we'll, it'll. I won't touch a hair on their heads. And she lets it flutter down, like, she, and she just mocks mm -hmm. him once he realizes it's a fake and takes off through the trees because they can't keep up with her in the trees. Yeah. Um, Basil got back first, obviously, because it took a while to, for her to do that and she has to take the long route back so they don't right. follow her. Um, and when she gets back, she finds Basil surrounded by food with his paw bandage and the Abbey is jubilant. They're just like, oh my god, everybody's back and safe. Uh, except for mm -hmm. Matthias. <laughs> But it's fine. Uh, Methuselah is working to sew Martin in place, and the roses, the late rose, is budding mm -hmm. once again. And now we're back with Matthias. And he's homesick. He misses his bed. Misses his bed, misses and good then, food. He misses everything. And so... Like, in this case where he's a captive, I can give him a little sympathy, but it's like, you got yourself into this, you know. She, yeah. Yeah. And Dunwing stirs him from, like, his rest, and she tells him how she plans to help him escape. So, she sent Warbeak out to tell Methuselah and send Jess up with a rope at a specific time. And then she's going to spread a rumor that the adder is dying in the woods. I <laughs> you caught it, but I still saw it. <laughs> Kit tried to sneakily change a point where she wrote Matthias Listen. <laughs> I love you. I just have to heckle you. But yeah, so Dunwing says she's going to spread this rumor because with sparrows, rumors spread fast and no one remembers where they started from. And by tomorrow, everybody will have forgotten. To be fair, that's the case with um, most rumors. 
Yeah, and so once that rumor spreads and everybody gets fired up, KBS is going to take all of the warriors to go get the sword back. And when that happens, Dunwing is going to help get Matthias out to go find Jess and get down from the roof. Matthias is like, yeah, this is a fucking good fr- uh, plan, but he worries about Dunwing and Warbeak. It's like, wow, our boy is learning a little uh, Because he doesn't want them to get hurt yeah. for him. Uh, but Dunwing is just like, mm, I'm still going to do this. And she goes and she starts spreading the rumors. And it does not take very long before everybody is fucking freaking out. And KBS is like, all right, we're going. And Warbeak has to go mm-hmm. with him because he's called all the warriors and Warbeak is a warrior. But Warbeak frees Martin before she flies I think this off. is also a case of like, if she's off with uh, KBS, then she's safe. He won't suspect her. Mm-hmm. Um, Dunwing grabs Martin and they head for KBS's like little, like his royal chambers and none of the other, because there are still like the like uh, wives and chicks and other like the 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 ones who aren't warriors, but they're all ducked down in their nest because without warriors around to protect them, anybody could bully them. Which, yeah, anybody can bully them. So they're just so nobody sees them go for the den. Um, Martin is a bit of a useless Again. whiner, uh, but uh, he he kicks the chair because they can't find it. There's not a lot in KBS's den, but they cannot find the scabbard or the sword belt. But he kicks over this this old chair, this old like stuffed chair that was inexplicably up there. He kicks it over, and the scabbard and the belt are hidden beneath it. Um, and with those found. Uh, Martin loops it over his shoulder and they head for the roof and he makes the mistake of looking out and it's very high up and he's afraid of heights and Dunwing is just like no get out boots this whiny boy Uh, and there's a yeah there's a a tense moment where he is hanging onto a gutter and it crumbles and Dunwing has to like basically snag the rope in that rough part of stone and then shove like fly down and help shove Martin up Martin Matthias upwards um you did in fact through the rest of this continue to write I was tired it was after work and I was trying to get this done and I was like (laughs) I just want to get out of the sparrows I'm so done with the sparrows that's fair well if we say Martin and we mean Matthias we're sorry it's gonna keep happening they both have end names. And then the next book's going to happen and I'm going to cry. Yep. Um, but yeah, she uh, they, they manage to get him up onto the roof. He makes it to the weather vane and Dunwing flies back home. She can't help him anymore. Um, as the Joseph Bell tolls noon, he spots Jess as she's coming up the roof. But right as that happens... KBS is returning and he sees Matthias calling for Jess and in a rage he dives at Matthias because he sees that Matthias has the sword belt and scabbard and he stabs Matthias in the shoulder with his beak. Uh, Matthias like takes his eye out and like hits him with the scabbard and they both topple out into the open air entangled with each other and the gusty winds that have been blowing around this whole time take them off where Jess can't see them fall. Basically, just shit hits the fan. Then, yeah, shit starts popping off. Shit starts yeah. going now. We cut back to Chicken Hound. 
Chicken Hound is just eluding the Happy all time. A lot of the occupants are outside, uh, but unfortunately for him, Friar Hugo was still in the kitchens. And they run into each other, and Chicken Hound is like, what? And turns and runs the other direction. Friar Hugo is like, stop that fox thief! And Methuselah, who is just putting the finishing touches on lovingly sewing Martin's part of the tapestry back to the tapestry, you wouldn't even be able to tell it had ever been ripped off in the first place. He gets in Chicken Hound's way and holds up a frail hand to stop him, and Chicken Hound swings his very heavy loot bag and hits Methuselah in the head and, and like kills by him. his horrified reaction, it's like you can tell he didn't intend to do this, like not to kill him, because like there's a he didn't mean yeah, to hit like him. There's that a moment hard. where he's staring at him, like wait, you know, like hey, hey, hold on, before and then Friar Hugo calls him a murderer, and he just is pushed back into action and takes off and makes it out in a moss flower where he is pursued by Ambrose and Constance. Constance She's a kaiju. is so She pissed. just turns into a kaiju. Yeah, she is ripping through the underbrush, not caring about actually trying to She's track She's crying, him. too. Um, yeah, and he gets into this hidey hole that's under, like, this old tree. There's some ferns hiding the hole, and he waits for them to, to go past uh, unfortunately for Chicken Hound, when he go once he's sure they're gone and he reaches for his sack of loot, he doesn't touch his sack of loot. His hideout is shared with the adder Asmodeus. Just, just the Asmodeus. And then we cut back to the Abbey, where everybody is very upset because they cannot find Matthias's body and Methuselah is dead. The abbot is comforting Jess and Constance and Brother Alf are going to go lay fishing nets because they can't sleep and they need something to do. And then in the pond on the shore, they see the body of KBS and he is dead. He is yep. drowned. And they call for help. And the otters come and they just start like sweeping the pond because nobody had thought to check the pond. And in the reeds, they find Matthias half submerged. And after a little bit of care from the abbot, uh, he is alive, but unconscious. Constance just picks him up very gently and cradles him to her warm, rough fur and takes him into the Abbey sickbay. And we cut to Clooney. And I want to actually read okay. some of this chapter because this is a good chapter. <laughs> and I, I like, I just have it down as like two sentences. <laughs> But it's a, it's good, a good chapter. chapter. It's one of those like really good short. It's yeah. a short chapter, though. You you are correct. This is like three pages of, of chat. No, this is a lot like of times when he'll chapter, jump over actually. to the like the the air quotes vermin. Um, they are short chapters because they're just like this is what they're gonna go do, and then. Boop. Yep. So, we cut back over to Clooney, and his horde, and Clooney is. He he is getting everybody ready to march. They're all going to march to the abbey. Um, Clooney's personal armor is putting the final touches to his chief's war apparel, um, and he signals to his captains Darkclaw, Frogblood, Fangburn, Cheese Thief, Scum Nose, and Mange Fur. Because vermin don't um, get real names. He has not yet chosen a new second-in-command, um, but he, he has let it, uh, be known that any of his followers who distinguish themselves in the coming battle would receive immediate promotion in the field. And Kilkenny 
has unofficially appointed himself the drummer come soothsayer. What does that even mean? Uh, basically, he's got this drum that he's made, and he's watching Clooney intently so that he knows when Clooney is going to speak, and will hit the drum uh, to make everybody shut up. Because, like, for me, like, a soothsayer was someone who, like, predicts the future. Well, he's predicting when their chief's yeah, going to talk. Yeah, I guess talk. that, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> I'll accept that. And so we get this, like, speech from Clooney. Which is very good. This time there will be no mistakes, he yelled, and there will be no retreat. We stay, even if it means putting Redwall to siege. We stand firm. Anyone who takes one backward step is dead. Anyone who disobeys orders is dead. Anyone who does not fight tooth and claw with all of his might is also dead. That is my promise, and Clooney always keeps his word. Hear me. All we face is a lot of peaceful mice and some local woodland creatures. Defeat them, and I will give you rewards you never dreamed of. The enemy are not trained fighters like we are, not natural killers. There is not one among them who can lead as I lead you. At the center of the front rank stood a rat who had been wounded in the first encounter at the abbey. He whispered out of the corner of his mouth to his comrade-in-arms alongside him. Huh. Leads us my foot. Last time we attacked, he stood well out of the way, back in some meadow. The sharp ears of Clooney had caught what the unfortunate uh, soldier had said. The warlord uh, leaped down from his rostrum and seized the trembling miscreant, booting him forward in a plain view of the army. See this traitor? Clooney shouted. Here's a rat who doesn't think I lead my horde. Clooney the Scourge sees and hears all. Watch now. Let this be a lesson to anyone that dares doubt me. The wretched rat soldier lay shaking on the churchyard path. A hush fell across the entire horde. He stared beseechingly into the merciless eye of Clooney. Oh, please, chief, it was only a joke. I didn't mean to crack. The powerful whip, the powerful tail whipped expertly out, slashing across the rat's face with its poisoned metal war barb. The army looked on in horror as the stricken victim shuddered and lay dead at Clooney's feet. Ignoring the slain soldier, Clooney the Scourge pushed his way roughly through the horde until he reached the cemetery gates. It was going to be a long march to Redwall, burdened as they were with the battering ram and all the paraphernalia of destruction. They would have to camp overnight by the roadside, and the great attack upon Redwall would take place early the next day. There was to be no secrecy. For maximum effect, the army must be seen marching boldly up to the very gates of the abbey in full array. Clooney shook his standard. As the ferret's drum thundered out, he roared madly, On to Redwall! Smash the gates! Kill! Kill! The shimmering heat waves from the road reverberated with the shouts of the horde. Clooney! Clooney! Kill! 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 Like, it's very good. He's the worst bad guy, but it is a good bit because he shows his army. He is like, no. We are doing this and you are listening to me and you all will be in line. Then we cut back to the Abbey with Matthias having a dream. Uh, He is told farewell by Methuselah and then finds Martin and Asmodeus the Adder. Martin warns him of the Adder despite Matthias' protestations of bravery. Uh, He stands firm. Because in the dream, Asmodeus' tongue turns into the sword and Matthias tries to go grab it and Martin grabs him. By the shoulders, like, no. You are not ready for this, child. (laughs) Yeah. You cannot win this fight. Uh, And he wakes 
up to the Abbott, yanking out part of KBS's beak Ew. from his shoulder. And I'm like, how hard did they fall for that to have gotten stuck and Just broken ew. off? Ooh, painful. Just ew. He learns of Basil's brave return of the tapestry fragment. And then of Methuselah's death, which puts him, excuse me, into a mourning spiral, essentially, for an indeterminate amount of time. Yep. <laughs> it's really- the, it, it, the wording is a little weird there, and I yeah. don't- I think some of it may have been some writing mistakes. Um, but Basil is it's, just it's... like, all right, Matthias, you gotta stop doing this. Okay. Stiff upper lip. Come on. What would Methuselah think? And Matthias is. is like, How long right. he lay there, racking- or racked by grief and misery, he had no way of knowing. But one morning, Basil Stagheer awakened and called across what ho? Well, bless me medals if it ain't young Matthias. How are you, laddie buck? And it's weird because, like, the attack was supposed to happen the next day, so it could not have been... Well, we have learned yeah. from Mossflower, time is wibbly-wobbly. Yeah. <laughs> time is fake. But so, uh, Basil cheers Matthias up with, like, being like, Methuselah would want you to keep going to get all of this fixed it's up just, It's stuff. extremely and British. It's so British. Uh, and then the, the completes this emotional recovery by summoning for food, where we get... <sighs> I think it's Brother Alf yeah. and Cornflower. It's, it's not just Cornflower, Brother Alf. No, it's Friar ah. Hugo. It's Friar Hugo and Cornflower. And Basil says, ah, yes, the catering staff. <laughs> the other injured warrior here and myself would be greatly obliged for a little sustenance. Nothing too grand, you know? Just something for our poor wounded teeth to nibble on. Got to keep a body and fur together, what what? <laughs> and Friar Hugo it just bows in a very servile manner, and he answered the hair. Very good, Mr. Stag, sir. Two bowls of gruel coming up. And Basil's just like, gruel? What the devil do you mean by gruel? I'm sorry. No. We want this, that, and the other. Like, this whole list yeah. of food. And it's cute because, like, I feel like Constance gets a little tiny moment of, like, her and and um, Hugo just getting to tease. Is a, is a, It's a good moment. Yes. This is finally a good moment where it's, like, she's not just, like, a doormat. Display. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's nice. I like that you got distracted reading about yes, medieval because, desserts when you looked because up Because one some of the of ones, them. like, they brought up was something called hazelnut cream junket. And I, like, I have no idea what that is, but it sounds really good. So I do a quick Google, and it is a milk dish where basically, um... You separate the curds from the whey and mix it in with, like, other spices and things like that. And it was a nobleman's dish until it was replaced with, um, oh, dang, I didn't write it down. But it got replaced by a separate dish that was more popular because it was fancier and harder to get. So it became a commoner's dessert after that. Yeah. That tracks. <laughs> to which, again, spent five minutes reading about medieval dishes. And part of me is like, I still kind of want to try this because I like hazelnut flavor. But at the same time... Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's interesting. Looks at the um, British. Why after they finish this? eating a very hearty meal, Matthias starts pumping Basil for information on the adder, but he calls it a viper. They, they use viper and adder interchangeably. Yeah. Um, Basil also says a swear. <laughs> <laughs> he does. 
<laughs> and it amuses me, but not that silly ass. It just <laughs> it makes me giggle. <laughs> and I also learned that there are only three native species of snakes in England. There's the grass snake, the smooth snake, and the only venomous one, the adder. Yep. Which is weird. <laughs> Considering how many snakes well, live in America. <laughs> I mean, England is an island. And it's also not That's like fair. a Madagascar island, which is nice and warm or something like that. Like, England is cold. England is wet. It's not someplace yeah. you'd expect to get a lot of reptiles as far as, like, snakes goes. They like warm, humid places, not wet, cold places. Yeah. So, Matthias is, like, pumping Basil for information about Asmodeus, and Basil's just like, why do you know that name? Well, the sparrows told me, and he's like, hmm. He's not happy about okay. it. Okay. Um, and so Basil doesn't actually know very much, but he points Matthias to an old military friend, a snowy owl by the name of Captain Snow, who lives on the edge of Mossflower in an abandoned farmhouse. He gives Matthias a medal that he earned from the snowy owl for saving his life from under a tree. <laughs> I love that detail. Because a rotted tree fell on him. I'm over here, like, half the medals on your fucking, like, vest, like, your your uniform have to be fake, my dude. You right, can't be that yeah. old. It, it pro- um, he probably picked them up doing acting jobs or something. Yeah. And he says that he has to show the snowy owl the medal first, or the captain will eat him. Um, like, he's just all business about it. Like, no, that snowy owl will and straight he's up not, fucking But he's eat not, you. like, he's not judging the owl. He's just like, yeah, the, he'll do it. Like, there's no judgment there. I like that. Mm-hmm. And Matthias, like a little idiot, once again sneaks out of the abbey to go see the snowy owl. And I'm like, you just fell into a fucking You pond. still... You have a sh- wound on your shoulder that has not healed yet. I don't care. Like, maybe the many mornings was, like, trying to justify the fact that he's able to sneak out like this, despite, you know, very much still being hurt. I don't know. It's not good. He's just... Mm. I mean, you know what, though? In his defense... Martin is also like Yeah, this. and if this boy is his reincarnation, it does make sense. Mm-hmm. Boy. Boy. So, and Matthias makes his way steadily through Mossflower. I don't know how he got that far in such a short amount of time. A time and distance is suggested in this world. Because Matthias, um... Having learned nothing from his encounter with the sparrows. No. Also, like, he left around noon. And by mid-afternoon, he was already on uh, Guosin land. So what happens is he gets accosted by shrews. Uh, By the Gorilla Union of Shrews in Mossflower. We love the Guosin. And they're like, what the fuck are you here for and a bunch of them are all chattering at each other until logalog is like no shut the fuck up 
gives him the, the rock because any comrade who wants to speak must hold the pebble, otherwise shut up. Complete silence fell. He handed the pebble to Matthias. Now explain yourself, mouse. <laughs> and there were one or two murmurs of dissent that a stranger who was not a shrew would have first say. The old shrew danced with rage. Will you lot shut up? The mouse has I know, the stone. It's, so good. <laughs> it's, it's very good. And so Matthias tells them what's going on, and they're like, what the fuck? Um. And so, uh, like, Matthias is like, I am, I am, I am a mouse from Redwall. Redwall, like, any mouse who is part of the Order of Redwall is supposed to be allowed to pass freely, blah, 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 blah. And so Logalog is like, okay, we're going to have a vote. Who votes for letting him go? Who votes for keeping him here? Ah, well, it looks like I'm the deciding vote. I vote we let him go and do what it is he's here to do. And then, like, actually, and then... And then the the first shrew who had popped out, who he's just been calling Gusim, even though I don't think that's actually her name. Um, she's the president of the union. <laughs> just... And so she wants to know where he's going. And so he's like, oh, well, I'm going to go see Captain Snow. And they all yeah. freak the fuck out. Well, like, why are you doing fuck? that? Do you have a death wish? You're just going to go yeah. see him? You're going to get eaten? Yeah, that's illegal. Um... And then you're gonna go, and you're asking where you can find the adder? You're crazy. And he's like, well, I'm doing it anyway. And so they decide to escort him as far uh, as the edge of the woods by the farm. They let him stay the night in their log longhouse. He's given food, etc. You make a comment about them being kind of Viking-like, and I'm over here like, "Uh, they give me way more working-class vibes, but in a different way from how the moles are working-class. Well, I say they remind me of, like, the Vikings in that, like, they literally have a longhouse, but also, like, the fact that they are water, they they mostly live on the water, and not only that, but, like, aren't they a little bit mercenary-esque? Yes, uh, to a degree. Um, like... They remind me a lot more of, um, like, people who do, um, boat work on rivers. Um, there's, there's unions for that as well, and the way that they work and the way that they live. Um, sailors, to a degree, but inland sailors. Um, I don't know. I like the difference where these are, like... The moles and the shrews are both working class, right? But as we talked about before with the moles being, like, the good working class, the shrews are the ones who will literally get up in your face and demand that you pay them fairly and damn anybody who would uh, give them shit. Kind of thing. So that's why I'm... I'm, Because I'm coming at it more from, like, where I live and the vast number of uh, union strikes that yeah. are happening right now. Holy There's shit. a lot. Everyone, we're in 2021, and everything is happening all of the time. I'm, I'm just going to say this. Um, if you see uh, workers striking somewhere, uh, do not cross the picket line. Do not be a scab. If you see um, people striking and they work for a food company, do not buy that food. Uh, if they are doing, um, if they, if look up and listen to what they are saying, if they're like, do not buy this thing, don't buy it. If they have not, uh, started do called for a boycott, you're fine. But if they call for a boycott, 
Don't cross Although the picket Oreos line. Although Oreos are okay again because... Support your local unions because uh, your work is worth more than what you are being given. Although, did you hear though, like the the Nabisco workers finally? Yeah, they got a they got a fair contract, uh, which is fan fucking fantastic. Now me silently. Um, it's still not the best thing they could have gotten, but with the amount of compromises that had to be made, I think it's a it's it's yeah. a start, and it's where it's it's in the right direction. Um, also. Stop playing World of Warcraft and stop playing yeah. um, Overwatch because uh, Actabliz is trying to silence union members uh, in the middle of this um, uh, big swath of lawsuits that are being brought against them for both uh, union busting, uh, unfair pay, as well as sexual assault allegations. So, you know. Triple A game company suck. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I got very close I can to tell I could hear it. That That's okay. <laughs> we are, so they lead him to the edge of the We are world. having opinions this episode, everyone. <laughs> Listen. They lead him to the edge of the woods, uh, and he makes it to the farmhouse, and he goes, actually, he goes into the barn first, and he doesn't find an owl in the barn, and he's like, hmm, and he climbs up into the hay, and instead what happens is he falls into the mouth of a marmalade cat, and then it cuts Just away from done. him. We're done. <laughs> Just, okay. Did you say, no, I, on, it said, and I said, done, we're done. It's cut, the cut. Yeah, it just cuts away from him, and it's like, well, and I'm, I'm like, <laughs> glad cats still live yeah. at the farmhouse. Although he's going the wrong way, though. Um, That's not. Um... Listen. All right. Shush. <laughs> the maps I know are fake. way not to argue. <laughs> Back at Redwall, Matthias's disappearance has been noted, but before any searching can be done, Clooney arrives. He is at the gates, and Redwallers prepare for war. Clooney demands surrender, he is denied, and the Redwallers use the advantage of the sun behind them to unleash a deadly volley of rocks, causing Clooney to retreat into the ditch and the meadow. Uh, as the sun moves, uh, eventually he's able to send the battering ram out, which begins its assault on the abbey front door, and he tells Kilkenny to prep his team and to hide in the southern ditch until nighttime. Once it becomes night, the def- uh, ah, blah, blah, blah. Time passes, the defenders do their best to keep their spirits up, and then think of a way to stop the ram, and night falls, and the mustelids begin digging. Now, they know that the digging is going to happen, so there's moles all over the place, listening. Because it's going to take him, like, a few days to get in there. Yeah, and Sam is also running around trying to, like, listen. And he's just like, eh, I'm bored. And he goes and talks to his mom, and he's like, why Why do you have this thing? And she's trying to figure out what to fill this barrel she has to dump down on the ram carriers. Yeah, just some, something unpleasant to drop on them. Yeah, and he's, like, sucking on his paw, trying to think of how he can help. He's just like, I want to help. He's such a good child. I love him. I would die for this He's small a good boy. Squirrel. He's a good boy. And that is the end of book two, as the mustelids start digging. And Matthias is, you know, stuck in a cat's mouth. 
Matthias is in peril. The Abbey is under attack. And that is usually how this point in the book goes. Your hero is in peril and the Abbey is under attack. Yeah, this is the, the descent part of the story. Yep. We're, well, it's, we're ramping up to the proper climax of the yeah. story. So it's the us. Well, no, like I say it's the descent in that like in the hero's journey, there's the part where you're at the darkest part of the journey where it's like air quotes in hell. Um, and like, this is the part of Fair. the story where it's like, he is at the darkest moment. He's away from home. He is in the maw of a predator. Um, so like, this is kind of like the darkest moment. That is fair. Um, God, I'm not excited to read. More I'm not either, but like now that we're out of the sparrows for the time being, it's like, I don't mind jumping into part three. Cause like, this is where like things are going to start tumbling into place. Like all the plans, all the yeah. plots, like He's going to find the sword at the last moment and comes swinging in the nick of time for a great, you know, like epic fight, you know. Yeah. We we definitely read really quickly past the bit where Matthias was stuck with the Spara <sighs> because the way that the way that the Spara talk, the way that their living space is described because they live up in that very top attic where all of the spare shingles <laughs> For the roofer, which th again proves that somebody should be able to get up there much easier than they seem to be. Yeah, um, and like the king had stacked uh, shingles on top of the door that Warbeak and Matthias came through, so that nobody else could come up through there, which is fucking great. Good for them, I guess. Um, good for them, and just it's I, I it's bad, it's bad, and this is. One of the worst offenders for that, I think, in the entirety yeah. of the series. Um, I personally would love to hear other people's takes on the Spara, particularly um, indigenous mm -hmm. and people of color. Uh, like uh, BIPOC people. If y'all have any BIPOC people, that is... Let me rephrase <laughs> this. Uh, anybody who is BIPOC... If you guys have any opinions on this, we would love to hear it. We would love to boost your voices mm -hmm. about this because we realize this is fucked up. But y'all's opinions on this are worth yeah, more than Yeah, we are two ours. white people. <laughs> <laughs> and we would love to hear and boost your takes on this depiction um, as well as other depictions in the books as a whole. Very much um, so. Yeah. So, we didn't get any questions for this. Uh, but that's okay. If you have questions that you want us to try to answer, they can be about the series as a whole. They can be about this particular book. They can be about anything to do with Redwall. And we will answer them or try to answer them in the appropriate book that we're reading at the time. You know. Um, but we do have three questions we try to answer every time. So, Kit, what was your favorite weird Abbey food? The hazelnut in this junket. Book? I still kind of want to try it. <laughs> there weren't really any that I was super invested in. Because it was all food that we've, like, heard before, honestly. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, eh. Eh. Um, milk and honey is always nice. 
but yeah, like they didn't really get into. I don't know if I would want to dip my hand <laughs> yeah, in it. <laughs> like me, like this poor mouse's hand must be uh, squirrel. squirrel. I'm sorry, this poor squirrel's hand must be disgusting, like wrinkly. No. Oh, absolutely. He's yeah, a small but... child. Of course, it's... small children are always yeah, vaguely sticky. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> There's a whole joke in Hope's Hearth about that, about a small, sticky child that Dirk loves to to do. <laughs> because it makes some of my characters yeah. very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's funny. Like, it's funny. Also, I'm someone who, um, like... I can tolerate kids, but I'm not super great with them. Like, if they're related to me, I can handle them better. But other times I'm like, please do not bring this child near me. I do not want to. I do not want to act with your... <laughs> they have to yeah. be above a certain age for me to deal with. Uh, but so, was there an animal that appeared that surprised you? And did an animal subvert expectations? Is our answer both going to be silent I think Sam? so, yes. Because, like, when he first appeared, I was just like, yeah. oh, no. But then, like, the more I read about it, I'm like, hey, you know, this little guy is actually pretty all right. It's, it's silent Sam. <laughs> yeah. Love him. He's a very good boy. If he, he's a good boy. Yes. Love him. Small bab. Just again, like it's it's like with Ferdy and Cogs. When Brian writes, like Dibbins' little ones very well, he writes them very well. It's just he can also write them very bad. Yeah. What's your favorite part so far? So far, honestly, like the whole sequence where uh, Jess and Basil. Basil, I'm going to do that. I'm sorry. I was also going like, to say just that. <laughs> they're, them getting the standard back, like that, I'm surprised they got it back as quick as they did. Like, I thought that was going to be a later in the book thing, but I enjoyed that entire sequence. Yes. It was very good. Basil is very, very funny when he's not uh, being. Yeah, gluttonous little so and so. But I did enjoy that sequence quite a bit. And actually, also, like, uh, um, uh, co- co- Columbine? Sorry, I'm having a brain fart. No. Cornflower? The, the, the badger. I'm having a big brain fart. I'm sorry. Constance, I'm Constance. sorry. We're tired. We're done. We've been recording for over, like, over three hours. Um, the scene where Constance just... Longer than that if we count the 45 minutes we spent yeah. fucking with uh, audio. Constance just shot-putting a rat... Is very good. <laughs> hammer with throw. the hammer throw. Same thing. It is Close not the enough. same thing. You, you no, spin in a not. circle and you throw a heavy object. I'm gonna take you I've to the been Highland, to Highland games. games. You. Sp- oh my god! You, then you spin know it's in a not circle and you thing. throw a heavy object. Ah, anyway, <laughs> Constance is good, and we love her. And everyone who's mean to her needs to shut you the need fuck to up. stop. Yeah, it's time to. St- I mean, yeah. Methuselah did stop, and again, like, but only yeah. because he died. And that's another thing that I didn't get to point out in the notes is like, here is like this is something you see in a lot of the Redwall books, and like it starts in book one. Where it's like, you you will have the beloved mentor figure who dies very abruptly and usually uh, in a very kind of sad, just abrupt and sometimes very brutal way. But usually it's a case of like, they're in the wrong place at the wrong time and take a hit. Um, so it's like a party was like not surprised that he went down, 
But another party's kind of like, oh, I thought he'd actually get to see a little more of the riddle quest at least. I mean, technically, they've already solved. Yeah, all of but it's a shaky technicality. <laughs> all right. That's everything. Outro. <laughs> so, thank you for listening to Abbey Archives. We are grateful that you lent us your ears, and we hope you've enjoyed your time with us. Even if this episode was a bit of a hot uh, mess. <laughs> I mean, listen, they're all hot messes. We're doing our best. <laughs> this has been Izzy. You can find me on Twitter at the Shondeer. You can find our parent podcast at Hope's Hearthpod. Um, you can find... It's going to be done by the time this comes out. I know it will because <laughs> I'm not going to be able to put that many episodes out between now and then. But you can find the um, VOD for a... Uh, four-part series that I was in over on uh, Standing Stones Prod on Twitch, where we play a game about a group of people coming to a weekly anonymous meeting um, where they are in a safe space to discuss a strange disease that is affecting people in the world. It's very good, but do take care of yourselves. It is about a plague. Which we are all very tired of experiencing. But we make it fantastical and kind of eldritch. Also, I'm not one so to talk considering one of my main stories, it, so. Yeah, we're exploring the concepts and the feelings surrounding these sorts of things without getting into how it is in real yeah. life. Because <laughs> uh, we still want some degree yeah. of separation there. But yeah. Uh, you can also find my commissions on my Twitter because I take art commissions. Good. Okay. All right. And yeah, this fine. has been Kit. You can find me at Kitsy in a Box on Twitter and Tumblr. And I do art commissions as well. I also have my Kits and Day, which is a little close species of foxes with dessert tails. Jazz hands. People, 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 I'm going to say this right now. You should get Redwall characters as Kit Sundays. Do it. Do Just it. throw do dessert it. at me. Yes. I might get one. Do it. Watch me. Do it. I have so many Kit Sundays at this point. Uh, you can find us both at Abbey Archives on Twitter. Um, you should also join our Discord, which will be linked in the description below. Uh, yeah. May... Uh, so, may your hearth be warm and your heart be merry from us to you at Redwall Abbey. And clap at the 50 right. again. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah. Oh. oh, wait, hold on. No, okay. I wasn't looking at the thing. <laughs> Sorry, clap I clicked away for a second. Then. I clicked in the wrong window. Yes, we'll clap on the minute. I exist.
Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Abbey Archives. And if you'd like to read along with us, join our Discord, linked in the description below. You can also follow our parent podcast at Hope's Hearth Pod. Remember to wash your paws like good dibbins and take care of yourselves. Bye!